Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. I'm very, very excited because this this person is sort of like the the, the white whale or the, the unicorn of, of teaching when the moon is just right and when it's the right season, um, this, this person shares. Um, so this, this wonderful woman has been the, uh, the director of our school of ministry for nine years. And yeah, she does, she does a whole lot of, of work in the background of this church and, and of the school as well. And I, I really attribute a lot of our early success and our early momentum just to the, to the wisdom, to the grace, and to the, the authority that this woman carries. And anytime she speaks, I, I really open my ears to listen because she carries such fruit in every single place that she goes. So please open your heart and open your ears for Lauren Brownlee. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Oh, thanks, everybody. It's an honor to speak tonight. Happy Saturday. <laughs> Almost said Sunday. All right. Well, it's my privilege to be here. Um, like you said, I've been around for the whole time the church has been around. This is my first Saturday night slash Sunday morning speaking, though. So it's kind of a privilege and a treat. I honestly, uh, I turn it down regularly when I'm said, I used to control the schedule. So, you know, <laughs> I just wouldn't put myself on there. But, um, you know, uh, but God told me this year, he said, okay, when you're asked, you have to say yes this time. Or, you know, from now on, I was like, okay. So um, I, we, we were just discussing who's the upcoming speakers. And, and I said, okay, I'll do it, you know. So I just feel like um, it's really an exciting time for our church. Like, it's just there's something in the air. It feels like God is doing something so special. Do y'all feel it? You feel like it's just a crazy, exciting season. Uh, yeah, just a tiny bit about my story, since I know a lot of the students, but I don't know a lot of the church members. Um, I've been raised uh, in the church my whole life. My parents are Steve and Lindy up front. Um, yeah, I get stopped often, and people are like, you just laughed like Joshua, your brother, or you, you just looked like your mom when you said that. And so that's why, if you're seeing that, that's, that's who I came from. Um, so I'm the oldest of four. I have three younger brothers, and uh, I've just loved ministry my whole life. I grew up doing youth ministry and went to Georgia Tech and met Brent there, and we did campus ministry there and uh, loved every minute of it and did some of it in Spain and Mexico and uh, and then we fell in love with Bethel, and so me and him moved out to Redding, California, our second year of marriage, and it was the hardest year of our life. <laughs> it was so hard. I don't know if it was living with a bunch of people in the same house or waking up at 3.30 a.m. to work or the combination of all of it, but it was just a really challenging year, and I'd be like, oh, I don't love this school but I want one in Atlanta, <laughs> and I knew it had to be God because I was not in love with what I was doing, but I felt this urge and call to do the same thing in Atlanta, and so once our first year was done, I was like, okay, we're done. We did it, and, uh, 
and God and Judy Franklin, Judy's bill assistant, uh, they both said, it's time to go back to second year. And so I said, okay, okay, we're going back. So we went back, and second year was just the best year of our life. It was just the sweetest, greatest year. And, um, and we, we basically started a home group with the intention of moving here to start this church. And our home group dreamed of starting a school here. And the, some of the faces you see, Blake Healy, April Healy, they were there in those early days 10 years ago dreaming about what our school would like. And our school looks so similar to what we dreamt up, which is just the kindness of God, that 10 years later, it looks like a dream that was formed in a living room. And, and so it's just such a sweet, uh, it's been a really sweet season. So I um, was director of the school, like Blake said, for the last nine years, and now I'm transitioning just fully engaged in the church world, which is really exciting. So um, I'm just giving you a little, a little snippet into who I am. So... As for what I'm talking about tonight, I felt like the Lord has been just placing uh, just this season change on our hearts and on my heart and just um, really extending an invitation. And, uh, and I asked the Lord, I said, how do I, how do I start? And, like, and I felt like he gave me a song just about us and our season and uh, I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> I, uh, I don't sing. So just to preface, my, uh, we, we did chorus growing up, and my, my younger two brothers, I was 16, so I was able to drive them to chorus, so the teacher let me be on the chorus team so that my brothers would come along, because they were good. So, um, <laughs> so, but I just felt like the Lord said, you know, this is the season, and I'm, so I'm going to sing it over us, and, uh, and here goes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> He's invited you in. There's an invitation. He's invited you in. It's an invitation for more. He's invited you in. It's an invitation to see justice in areas that grab your heart. It's an invitation to find glory. He's invited you in. It's an invitation to see promises revealed. It's an invitation. He's invited you in to see impossibilities bow to the feet of Jesus. He's invited you in. It's an invitation to his goodness. He's invited you in through the prophetic word. It's an invitation to walk in wholeness. He's invited you in. It's an invitation to see promises. It's an invitation to see God in the impossible, show you what's possible. It's an invitation to go deeper. He's invited you in. So I picture Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I've been asking Vanessa why I haven't been up here enough, so I'm just making my own way, apparently. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I just picture the Lord with this extended hand to us and saying, what are you going to do with this invitation? What are you going to do with this invitation? And Esther had an invitation. Esther was a Jew. She was the queen, King Xerxes did not know she was a Jew, 
and he had um, ordered for all the Jews to be killed. Mordecai is her uncle, and he goes to Esther, and he said, okay, it's time, to, time for action. You're going to this king. And uh, he called her to action, and she gets to decide what to do from there. Esther 4.14, it says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. If you remain silent, relief and deliverance comes from somewhere else. What an invitation. We're all given some form of invitation like that. And she, she, called, I mean, she went into action and saved an entire generation of people. Blake had an amazing word, uh, May 13th. Who was here when Blake spoke? It was our first week here. Awesome. Everyone else, go and podcast it because it really is talking directly about what's happening in this season for us. And so he, um, just to paraphrase it very briefly, um, he, he felt like this is a season um, of engagement, a preparation season. He said that we're going to be in a season of growing on the inside before we grow on the outside. And, you know, when you grow on the outside, it's a little more flashy. But this is like the internal growth that's building you up in anticipation of what is to come. And it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's not the waiting that's passive in this season. It's like the proactive waiting. You know, um, in the New Testament, when they talk of waiting, it's more literally like I'm waiting behind a bush, ready to jump out at any moment waiting. Like that's not a sit back and relax waiting. It's like the proactive one. And he painted a picture of an engagement season and talked about how the first single years of your life are pretty long, and then the after, after engagement years are pretty long. But right in that middle, you have this six-month engagement season. And it's a time that you're never going to have again. And there's unique opportunities that happen just in that time. He said there are things available in that season that are not available in other seasons. And so he encouraged us that this is a, t- a season of preparation so what are we going to do in that season? And so I've just been like feeling that for a few months now and feel like God is highlighting things in dreams to me that we're in this season of preparation. And what does it look like, look like to accept this invitation, this open hand that he's holding out? So I've had probably four or five dreams just in line with what Blake was saying, and I'm going to highlight two of them to you. Um, who dreams prophetically? Awesome. Who writes them down? Oh, okay. Yes. Write them down. Uh, it really helps. Uh, sometimes I, I go in spurts, you know. Um, but I've been reading through them lately. You know, I just grab my phone in bed and sometimes voice memo, and it's just chicken scratch, and the next day you have to decipher what you meant. But I've been reading back through, like, the last few months of them, and there is, like, a common thread just weaved through it about this season of preparation that we're in. And so this, this dream I had about three months ago, or maybe two months ago, um, we were all an army. And so we're an army, and we're in this giant building, and it was like a high-rise under construction, still concrete. And there's another, there's another army that's not with us or against us. It's an army of birds. You know how dreams are. So, uh, <laughs> so, then, so we're in our army, and we come to our leader, and he says, okay, go there, 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 there. You all have your own role. And I was thinking, 
he really should be encouraging us more and like giving us a charge. But he was like, just get ready, you know. And so there was no, there was no dilly-dallying, no wasted time. We all took our position. And I'm looking through this building, and I'm like, oh, these birds are getting their feet, uh, their wet feather, feathers clipped. And these giant, tall birds, white birds with these beautiful, long feathers were just getting these feathers clipped. And, it, uh, and those that were clipping them knew that if they clipped them while they were in action, the birds would be angry. But because the birds were not in action, they didn't seem to care until the fighting began and they realized they had lost their feathers. So that was my first dream. Um, my next dream was th- probably three months ago now. And uh, there were these 12 kids, boys, teenage men, um, that were that owned this. They were renting a house or owning a house or something. And they got this large $3 million payout to get out of the house. And so each kid's walking away with a quarter million dollars. And so they're, like, feeling like kings. They're living like kings. They're eating chips, which is apparently the food of kings. And <laughs> they're watching TV because that's what they're doing with their money, okay? So they're, like, super lazy, and I'm really confused. And, and I know it's prophetic even in the dream, and I'm like, what's going on here? And up pops this uh, picture of this guy, and the kids realize that guy's trying to take our money. So they jump in these school buses and go flying down the mountain, and they're super reckless. And so in the dream, I'm like, God, or, okay, so I wake up, and I start writing the dream down. And I said, God, what are, what are you saying through this? And he said, be ready. It's an acceleration season. Things can be paid off in an instant. I know. It's cool. Um, and the, bir- the boys weren't ready, and they didn't get it. They were lazily expecting the payout. And once it happened, they rested on their laurels. I never use the word laurels, so I had to look it up. Um, the Lord used it. Laurels means praise, kudos, honor, fame, prestige. So they're sitting back, resting on their fame and their prestige, and totally unaware. And so as I'm writing this dream down, I'm on my phone, and my time on the top jumps from 1.59 to 3 a.m. Because it was a spring forward night. And I've never seen, uh, you know, I'm always sleeping. But I, f- <laughs> I felt like God said, that is a con- confirmation of this acceleration season. Like the time's jumping. And he said, we have to be prepared. And he said, you need to prepare for the harvest. And he said, pastors, which I think can be of so many of us, need to care for the body well in preparation for those who come in. And so uh, he's just, you know, we, we are in a season of salvations happening in our midst like we have done outreaches with our school for nine years and we would occasionally see a person saved another person saved a couple people saved and this year we have seen 10 people saved 11 saved 13 saved you know just sporadic influxes of whoa something god is doing something and he's bringing these people in and it is our body's responsibility to be ready so how are we responding to this invitation? How do we prepare for the, like, how are we living in this season that Blake talked about, this engagement preparation season? I feel like this invitation is not just for our body as a whole, but it's for us as individuals. Like, we all have those prophetic words or that, that are out there that you got them and you're like, that's not me, but something inside feels like that should be me, and I'm attesting to that word, and How's that word going to get to be a reality? Y'all have those? Or just me? 
Okay, good. Okay. And, you know, you can see, I can see a lot of different injustices around me. But my heart's only coming alive for certain ones. Do you find that? Like, it's not like that injustice is any, le- any less great. But my, my, my heart jumps for that one. You know, like, oh, God, okay, there's something in there that's calling me toward that one. So these injustices that grab your heart, these promises, these, these okay, I heard God, you promised this. I'm ready to see that fulfilled. We have an invitation in the, in the meantime until we get to that fruition of that prophecy, until we get to that fulfillment of that promise, until we get to the, to the, to the way that we're going to come against injustice. Does that make sense? And so my question is, God, how do I handle the in-between? Like, how do I handle that invitation and steward it so well? Um, the, kingdom of, the kingdom government of heaven is it's not just about the destination. It's not about the pearl of great price. It's partly just going after that pearl, the journey to get that pearl. And so there's so much beauty in that journey. Like there's so much beauty in this process, even the season of waiting, that, um, that we will never like get back. Like once we see the promise over our life fulfilled, I don't have a chance again to like live in faith for that promise to come to, about. And so I want to take advantage, like Blake said, there's, there's breakthroughs in this season that, we're, that, that are unique to this season. There's breakthrough in worship in this season. Like he said that every week in worship, we have a chance for breakthrough. That's a crazy powerful word. And I think we're doing well stewarding it, honestly. But there's more. There's more every week. There's another breakthrough. And so I felt like God said, okay, or I, I just asked God, I need keys. I'm really practical. That's how I work. So I need some keys for how to be in this season. And so I'm sharing those with you tonight. Um, The first one I heard was visualization. Imagining, picturing that prophetic word. We have the the mind of Christ. We have a sanctified imagination. And um, and lately, God reminded me through a dream, uh, I should tell you this later, Vanessa, about... uh, (laughs) I, I dreamt that me and Vanessa had an inheritance together, and um, Vanessa and I have known each other forever, like since we were little, little girls, yeah, and, um, and so it reminded me of this prophetic word we received five years ago, probably, and Chad Dedman was here. We were sitting on the floor in my parents' living room with our staff, and he, he shared this word. He said, Lauren, Vanessa, are you sisters? And we said, no, practically, but no, and um Man, we talk like that. I don't talk like that. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, high pitched. Okay. So we, uh, so he tells us this word. He says, I see you girls like um, having breakthroughs over children's illnesses, like childhood, like autism or like mental disorders and stuff. And he said, I see it in this playful sense that he said, I see a picture of you playing Red Rover, Red Rover. And uh, he said, I see you just, you know, waving your arms, Red Rover, Red Rover, send autism right over. And the kid coming and just being healed through joy. And I'm like, oh, I got to visualize that word. Like, what a dream to see Red Rover, Red Rover, send that disease right over here and watch it dissolve in the face of Jesus. We got to imagine it because if we don't imagine it, how are we going to see it happen? And so... It was just like a reminder and a conviction, like, 
Okay, in the meantime, until then, until the end suddenly when that first one happens, what am I imagining it on? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so that's number one, visualizing that prophetic word, imagining it. Just, I mean, when I played basketball, you like, you know, you're supposed to like imagine yourself shooting free throws over and over again. And that helps, like people that do that, they make more free throws. So just saying, you know. I'm in the loop with the basketball playoffs or something. <laughs> All right. So steward that invitation. How are we stewarding the invitation? Um, number two is to remember the testimony with gratitude. So testimony means to do again. And uh, I, uh, this is a funny testimony, but it's such a testimony still. I, we Four years ago, me and Brent were driving around looking at houses. We just had a baby. We're ready to grow into our, a bigger house, into like our forever type house. And uh, our realtor said, hey, let's look at this house. And I'm thinking, it's out of our price range, but we're in the neighborhood. Okay. So we go. And I, we had a list of what we wanted to see in a house, fireplace, you know, a pool would be an ideal with a fence around it. And then another fence around the pool fence so that we could have kids playing safely and not running into the road. And uh, you know, I dreamt of like a house where the kids would come play and a cul-de-sac so my kids could learn to ride a bike and, you know, all those things. And so we go to this house and I walk out on the deck and I look at this tree that I love and I said, this is like a dream. This is a dream house. And, um, but it was out of our price range. So two months pass, the house drops 30 grand in price and we're like, let's offer on it. So we do. So we offer on it and we get it. And that is our house today, and we love it. And I know, it's so cool. And we checked off everything on our list except the fireplace. So we're like, oh, this is pretty awesome of God. And then about six months into living there, we think, there's a chimney in our house, and there's no fireplace. <laughs> That's strange. So we decide to, like, cut an outlet-sized hole, just in case we're wrong, where the fireplace should be. And in there is a fireplace kit in its wrapping, and <laughs> the owners had plastered what is it called? Over it. <laughs> uh, and so we have a wall where there one day, very soon, will be a fireplace. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so, so I'm four years in this house now, and the house looks like it just jumped out of the 90s. I mean, we got gold, gold handles. We got, you know, we, it's just, we have two different color floors. We have, um, I have, the raw wood from the steps. Uh, I have a two-by-four holding up my kitchen. I don't have a pantry because we're two years into a kitchen project because we just really believe in paying things off with cash. So we just save it, do phase one. Save it, do phase two. So, so I had this moment of like a little dissatisfaction and a little frustration. And I was like, no, I have to remember with gratitude that this was a dream home. And it's going to, it's actually really close to getting done. But, you know, it's going to come to pass. But I don't want to grow, I don't want to grow forgetful <laughs> that that is actually a dream that I'm living in. Epicurus has this quote that I, I, I mostly love. Um, part of it I slightly disagree with, but I'll tell you that part too. Uh, he said, don't spoil what you have by desiring what you don't have. Remember that what you have was once among the things you only hoped for. And we get discontent. <laughs> and I believe that 
The only part I would tweak is the part that there is a healthy discontent in revival. It's a healthy like, man, this is awesome. I got to see more. Man, this worship's awesome. We're still going for more. So there's that healthy tension. But so often I forget, like, oh, this I'm living in a promise. And gratitude releases grace. So let's be full of gratitude for that promise. So when you're, so my point, remember the testimony with gratitude. Don't just remember it. Add the gratitude on the end. Okay, stewarding the invitation. What are we doing in this, in this preparation season? Now, number three, I'd say, is the power of the declaration. Nothing happens in the kingdom that's not first declared. So what are we declaring? Like the, profet- the offering reading, for example. We've pro- I mean, I've had so many people come up to me saying, everything on that reading has come past. Like we've gotten checks in the mail, gifts and surprises. We found money. Interest, you know, whatever, the whole list, you know. And uh, so much so that Brent, up in the soundboard, decided to add a little line in there because he wanted to see it happen in our lives. So he wrote, businesses started in there, which now has happened. So everything on that list is just happening because we're declaring it. It doesn't happen without the declaration. So in this season, you know, in that waiting season, okay, that promise is out there. I'm going to declare it like it's happening. I'm going to declare it until it comes to pass. That prophetic word, we're going to start talking. We're walking in it, you know. So power of declaration. If you need any help on that, Steve Backlund is the king of this. <laughs> this uh, ignitedhope.com, I think is his ministry name. And he, I, I mean, I've lived probably two or three years of my life with his declarations on my mirror. And I dry my hair every day just making them. And they are just life-giving, Okay. Point four, hold on to hope. I asked Vanessa to sing that song tonight. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. Hold on to that hope as your triumph unfolds. Hope is so powerful. (laughs) Bob Goff, who wrote Love Does, it's a really sweet book, I love it. Um, He said, most of the things I've worried about didn't happen. Most of the things I've surrounded in hope did. What is our hope surrounded in? Hebrews 10.23 said, Now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. He's always, he's always good. He doesn't let his promises go unfulfilled. There's testimony and story after story of just promises coming when you think they've already passed. <laughs> Sarah was barren, too old, Promise revealed, promise fulfilled. It happens time and time again. Every area of your life that's not glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. Every area needs to glisten with hope. If I can surround my hope around every area of life, those that seem hopeless, those that seem hope-filled, what will it affect? It's powerful. So we're stewarding this invitation. We're, We're in this season and we're living, point five, is full of faith. We are faithful. He is faithful. He is, we are full of faith. Um, there's the faithful and the big, and then there's, there's faithful and the little. And Jen talked about it last week. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they didn't stand against that idol the first time. Like, that wasn't their first act of faith. <laughs> Like, that was probably their 100th act of faith that year. You know, like, they're making little decisions day in, day out, just 
just serving the one they love. And then when the big decision comes, they're like, oh, I'm full of faith. I got this. I got this. You know, he's so faithful. He's so faithful. And he's calling us to a place of faith. Um, you know, I was thinking, like, I, I think me and Brent, we really believe in budgeting and, like, that kind of nerdy stuff. And, and uh, it's just, it, we, we find that when we budget and we're super diligent, the and suddenlies of God just have room to invade our life, like in our finances. Like we almost wouldn't recognize them without the other side. Like I feel like God just rewards the, the diligence and the day-to-day, these small choices with the rushing of a giant check in the mail or something. Like he loves that. And it reminds me of like I'm going to have faith in the small, and it makes room for him to just add that and suddenly, that, that just explanation point on what we're hoping for and dreaming for. Um, Abraham is currently my huge hero in this world. And he, he's, I mean, his life is just like a testament of faith. Genesis 11, 8 through 10. I'm going to read it to you. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country, He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I mean, he's living in a tent, picturing this giant city, father of nation, number of stars, kids, the number of stars in the sky, and he's in a tent without a kid. I mean, that's faith. And he's, and he's taking steps. He's, like, keeping going. And I love it. Like, God in Genesis 13, tells, he tells him this. He says, go walk the length and the breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. I don't think he just sat there. He went and walked that land. Like, he took action when everything around him, every circumstance looked contrary to that. And he just started walking that land. And uh, I think God just loves our acts of faith. You know, we, Brent heard this sermon years ago of a Midwesterner and how he was talking about the faith the size of a mustard seed. And the guy said, we don't have mustard seeds in the Midwest. He said, but we have corn. So corn multiplies itself. <laughs> so, so Brent just felt like, okay, we're going to, we don't do this all the time. This is like, we've done it three times, I think. Uh, so we're going to go spread some corn. And so seven years ago, we had a new baby, our first baby. We're living in the parents' basement. We needed a place to live. And we wanted this house, and it was a good deal, and it was, like, what we wanted. And, uh, and so we're like, well, let's go spread some corn. <laughs> so we discreetly walked this house in this neighborhood that was not ours. I mean, it's like a starter home neighborhood. You're not far from your neighbors. They're all looking. So we're just, like, dropping our corn around this house that's not ours, you know, just declaring this is going to be our house. The foreclosure is going to come true. We're going to get it for a good deal, you know. And we totally got it for a good deal. <laughs> and we renovated it, and it's now our a rental house that we have. But it was such a gift. Like, but I think God just sees that and just comes running toward our acts of faith. I mean, Abraham, go walk that land. Walk the, you know. I mean, he's promising tons of land. Walk the width and the breadth of that land. It's yours. Paul Manwaring, he, he said this. He said, we need to live our lives standing in the face of the impossible. 
It's an exercise of faith. If you're not standing in front of something impossible, find something and stand in front of it. Like find something that says, okay, that's my impossibility. It's going to bow to the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to see it bow, and I'm going to exercise my faith and grow it. God loves us just activating our faith. So in this season, like if there's something that you're like, oh, i gotta, I got to see abortion ended, you know, I'm going to stand in the face of that giant. I'm going to stand in the face of that, you know, impossibility and see it fall to the feet of Jesus. And so find that, like, ask God. Like, I mean, I have seasons where I'm not, like, don't feel awakened. Ask him to first awaken you and give you that invitation. Like, oh, that's the word I'm going to go after. That's impossible. Great. That's right up my alley. If it's possible, eh, you know, let's go for the impossible. Um, Bill Johnson has this great uh, analogy. He said, uh, faith arises while at peace. Busyness steals the opportunity to grow in peace. And it's so true. You know when you're busy with all good stuff, you don't really hear him to the same extent? I don't really hear him to the same extent. You may hear him to the same extent. But when I'm busy, it just, I don't, I don't get the chance to just like, oh, that's what you're saying right now. Okay. And when we hear, we can obey. So faith comes through hearing and hearing we're going to obey. And so just cancel out some busyness if you're, if you're looking for more faith to rise up. Because <laughs> he'll speak to you and he'll tell you to do something. And you'll step out in faith and your faith will be exercised. Your faith will grow. Okay, my final faith thought is that it's an action. When I was reading Hebrews 11, these are giants and heroes of our faith. And they are all, they're all... Um, attributed with some verb, like they're all doing something. I'm going to read you this list. These are just some of the highlights. Um, they built an ark. They were called. They obeyed. They went. They lived in tents. They were looking forward and not backward. They blessed their children. They spoke. They hid Moses. They marched around Jericho. They conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of flames. And they received back their dead. They did over and over. Action, 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 action. Faith is just accompanied with an action. As silly as walking around a house with corn or going to talk to that stranger that you're like, okay, okay, or praying for that crazy impossibility that medical fields say it's impossible. Like, it is an action and that it's going to be met with, met with him. Yeah, in this season, I was reading Song of Songs, and it's talking about awakening of our spirit, and, and its key was to get rid of the foxes, okay? Foxes, in this reference, are the tiny compromise compromises hidden deep in our hearts. They are areas that have not allowed the victory of Christ to shine in. So in Song of Solomon's 2.15, it says, you must, you must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. He's inviting you to just get rid of those hindrances, those things that just 
get in your way with him. In this, in this preparation season, anything that's hindering us is just hindering our, our closeness with him. And he's speaking to us. He's, he's that still voice that's, that's trying to speak to you so that you can hear and obey and grow in your faith. It's just, it's just not worth having those foxes around. That's all i got to say about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so in this time, we're preparing for the next. But there's a beauty in the season of preparation. There's that. We can't forget that, like, things happen in this season that will never be able to happen again. So it's not the destination, though that's going to be grand. It's the process of getting to that destination as well. And uh, so I have had just my personal story right now is, you know, a year ago, I'm sitting on the lawn at the horse farm, Bethel campus, and correcting myself, uh, and I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to Vanessa, and I'm like, yeah, this is my last year in the school. And I was like, huh, that just came out of my mouth. I never thought that before. I guess God's speaking to me. Like, it felt like God just descended on our conversation, and he's like, okay, this is your last year. And now, granted, I love everything about the school. Like, I've poured my life into it for the year in Reading and the nine years here. So for a decade of my life, I'm like, pouring my life into it. It's one of the most fruitful things. Like, it's just the testimonies coming out of the school are so exciting. The, um, the worship is, you know, just draws you in every week. And, and I get to work with my best friends. So it's like the best combination of everything. But I felt like God said, no, it's, it's, it's time to leave it. Like, it's time to throw your energy toward the church because, you know, that's a, yeah. So I just was like, okay, God. I'm, you know, it just felt like a step of faith. Like, I don't know what, I mean, I know what the school looks like. I've done it forever. I don't know what the church world looks like to the same extent. Like, what, what passions are you awakening with me for the church? And I've started to see a few, which is really exciting. But I, I was just in that, okay, I'm trusting you. But you know that moment you're like, oh, this is a hard, a hard giveaway because it's just such a life giver. And, um, and I felt like the Lord brought me to Song of Songs 2 and verses 10 to 13. Okay, I'm just going to read you the parts that just jumped out of the page. There's more, but I'm just reading you those. He said, Arise, my dearest. I have come, as you have asked, to draw you to my heart and lead you out. The season has changed. The bondage, the bondage of your barren winter has ended, and the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth. Those rains um, are talking of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny? There's a change in the air. What an invitation. Like if we're, you know, there's moments in life that we, we don't necessarily see that invitation in front of us. Like we're like, God, what are you, what are you, where are you leading me right now? What are you, what are you drawing my heart towards? And he just, he just says, I want to awaken your heart. Awaken and guide you. And so in those moments of leaving the school, I was like, okay, God, I can, you know, I'm going to go back and remember that prophetic word or these two prophetic words specifically that I got that were so instrumental that I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm so excited to dive into the church world and, and run with it. And, and they were just, you know, but we forget, you know, in the middle of like, oh, it's sad to leave my, my friends that I love working with. Um, and, 
And I have to remember that moment sitting on the lawn with Vanessa, like, no, God, you spoke to me. That's my promise. I'm, I'm glory to glory. This is the next, the next best thing, you know. And so whether your invitation is an invita- invitation to see an injustice bow to the feet of Jesus, whether it's an invitation through a prophetic word that feels like far off but so true, or an invitation to a promise that, oh, I know that moment that God spoke to me on that grass, or that moment that I was laying in my bed and God just just downloaded something to me. Whatever invitation it is, whether it's an invitation to this whole body that says, okay, he's, in, he's inviting us in to an engagement season. What are we going to do in this, in this season, in the middle, from now to the next season? Um, let us steward that invitation so well in the season of preparation. Okay, I want to pray over you if you'll stand up. Yeah, Jesus, we love you. We're so in love with you. We're so in love with you. I thank you that you are the great awakener of our hearts. I thank you that you draw us to you. We All we have to do is ask. I thank you that in a moment you come running. I thank you that your rains cover the earth, that the rain and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit covers the earth. I thank you that we are a body of people who are going from glory to glory. I thank you that we're dissatisfied and still grateful. We want more, but we're so grateful for the testimony of Jesus in our life. God, we just impart that we are going to steward your tes- steward this season well, that we're going to steward the invitation from the Holy Spirit so well that we're going to be carriers of. Bless you. Okay. That we're going to just carry. (laughs) We love you. Oh, man. Uh, We're just going to carry, carry this awakening. We're going to carry these prophetic words. We're going to carry the promises so well. God, we just want to be faithful. We just want to. We, we just want you to look down and say, "You're so faithful." We just want to please you with our faith. We want to steward the prophetic words. We want to remember with gratitude. We want to. We want to rid our lives of full of every fox, full of every compromise. God, just highlight them in the secret, or highlight them now. Just bring them to our attention. Hmm. We just thank you that you're the God of the impossible. Impossibilities must bow their feet to Jesus, to the feet of Jesus. We're so grateful. We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.